Hi, this is Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of A to Z of Detoxing, the ultimate guide to reducing our toxic exposures, and host of this Practical Non-Toxic Living podcast. Welcome. Have you ever heard that your eye health, like your vision, does not necessarily have to deteriorate with age and that some eye issues can sometimes even be reversed? I had not. Until I recorded this podcast with Dr. Mark Grossman, a leading holistic optometrist. Listen to how one patient described her experience. I am 82 years old and have been seeing Dr. Mark Grossman for 15 years. Having had success with other alternative medical professionals, I searched for a holistic eye doctor. I had no serious issues but wondered if there were methods to support me in keeping my eyes healthy. At that time, my eyesight was 20 over 40 and I had minor cataracts. Through the use of homeopathic remedies, I am delighted that, over years, my vision has improved to 20 over 25 in both eyes along with the decreased density of cataracts. I only wear glasses sometimes for reading and working on the computer. I am so grateful. This experience shows me that with effective care, I can progress, not decline, even at my age of 82 years old. Maintaining my good eyesight, even improving it, has given me a sense of opportunity and creative expansion to live every day fully and to look ahead with optimism. Signed, Jane W. Dr. Grossman also experienced serious vision issues. He was legally blind from third grade, but at the time of our podcast recording last year in September 2019, his eye health had improved so much that he didn't need to use his glasses for about 90% of his waking life. He was 64 years old. Dr. Grossman's perspective on vision and eye health is fascinating to me because I had to start wearing glasses when I was in fourth grade. And every time I went back to the eye doctor, which was at least once a year, I heard more bad news. I needed a stronger prescription for my nearsightedness. My vision deteriorated so dramatically that my left eye became legally blind by the time I was in college, and my right eye was almost legally blind. Both my father and grandfather had really poor eye health, like poor vision, cataracts, and glaucoma. Growing up, I often heard, poor you, you have the bad genetics of your father and grandfather for really bad eyes. So I felt resigned to a destiny of lifelong eye problems. Dr. Grossman, however, doesn't believe that genetics determine our destiny. He estimates that genetics contribute to less than 20% of the perfect storm of factors that lead to eye issues. For example, he and I talk about how our technology use can strain our eye health. Dr. Grossman explains that in many third world countries, the incidence of nearsightedness is less than 10%, but it's over 70 to 80% in high tech countries. Collectively, we spend billions of dollars for eyeglasses, contact lenses, and surgery on our eyes. But Dr. Grossman has experienced great success in treating his patients over the past 40 years with a more holistic and diverse approach so that there's less need for or dependence on corrective lenses and surgery. 
In this podcast, Dr. Grossman shares the strategies that we can adopt for our eyes to enjoy more resiliency, or as he'll explain later, flexibility and adaptability. I now have hope that my eyes don't necessarily have to decline with age and that they could get better if I take care of them more holistically. After recording this podcast, I have forever changed how I consider my eyes. I love that I now think of my eyes as an extension of my brain and my well-being. This conversation is a wonderful reminder that it's never too late to improve the quality of not even just your eyes, but also your life. That's because Dr. Grossman's approach to eye care is also good for your body, mind, and soul. You'll hear Dr. Grossman explain that we don't see with our eyes, we see with our mind. If we can change our mind, we can change our eyes. And he explains how our eyes and brain are connected to the rest of our body. He's full of really interesting perspectives. In addition to being a leading holistic optometrist, Dr. Grossman is also a New York State licensed acupuncturist and a well-known speaker on vision-related topics. Dr. Grossman lectures nationally on topics such as natural vision improvement, psycho-emotional aspects of visual conditions, vision and learning, holistic integrative visual therapy, and Chinese medicine and vision care. He also teaches workshops for healthcare professionals, including physical therapists, chiropractors and body workers, social workers, occupational therapists, and other optometrists. Dr. Grossman is a consultant to school systems, rehabilitation centers, and the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Dr. Grossman's background includes degrees in optometry, biology, physical education and learning disabilities, coupled with yoga, bioenergetics, nutrition, Chinese medicine and acupuncture, the Alexander Technique, and the Feldenkrais Method. His training provides the foundation for an integrative approach to vision and its influence on the body, mind, and spirit of each patient. Dr. Grossman also founded the Rye Learning Center in 1980, a multidisciplinary center for learning problems, and in 1996, he co-founded Integral Health Associates in New Paltz, New York. Dr. Grossman has also authored or co-authored several books. In 1996, he co-created the book Magic Eye, How to See 3D, which ignited a worldwide 3D craze for the rest of the 1990s. This led to a series of Magic Eye books, which would appear on the New York Times bestseller list for a combined 73 weeks. More than 20 million copies of Magic Eye books have been sold in more than 25 languages. The company has cross-licensed with the Walt Disney Company, Warner Brothers, Marvel Comics, and many more. Retail clients have ranged from the National Institutes of Health to the Grateful Dead. You'll hear more about these books later in the podcast. It sounds like book sales now exceed over 30 million copies. Dr. Grossman's latest co-created book is titled Natural Eye Care, Your Guide to Healthy Vision and Healing. Natural Eye Care is a landmark guide written to empower readers of every age to support and preserve healthy vision through the health of the whole body. Natural Eye Care has been a trusted, comprehensive guide to healthy vision and healing since its first printing in 2007. Dr. Grossman's book Natural Eye Care includes in-depth, holistic, dietary, and lifestyle strategies and recommendations based on peer-reviewed studies and Dr. Grossman's 40 years of experience. 
It integrates various modalities for vision care, such as traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, yoga, nutrition, meditation, essential oils, physical and eye exercises, and more. It has been revised to include new research findings, technical advances, deeper understanding of the causes of eye disease, and what to do about them. This updated second edition was published just last year in 2019. If you're interested in natural eye care for you or loved ones, this is a must-have book that can teach you a new way to consider your eyes and your life. You're going to hear Dr. Grossman mention resources throughout the podcast. To learn more about them and for the podcast show notes, make sure you're an email subscriber. To sign up, just text DETOX to 66866. Once again, text the word DETOX, spelled D-E-T-O-X, to the number 66866. Alternatively, you can visit my website at www.nontoxicliving.tips. I hope you get as much from this podcast as I did. I look forward to listening to it again and again. Will you please talk more about what you wish more people knew about eye health? So first of all, let's go through the perspective that the eyes are tools for the mind. And Shakespeare was true when he said the eyes were windows to the soul. We don't see with our eyes, we see with our mind. If we can change our mind, we can change our eyes. I was legally blind without glasses from third grade on. And what was going on in my life at that time that occurred, that nearsightedness came into my system. Is it always genetic? No. In many third world countries, there's less than 10% incidence of nearsightedness. But in high tech countries, it's over 70, 80%, especially in Japan and China, where kids are on digital devices from as young as three to four years old. And if you look at uh, epidemiological studies, you start to see that, you know, oh, look, somebody's an accountant. Oh, interesting. 90% of accountants may be nearsighted. Oh, somebody's a juvenile delinquent, doesn't do a lot of reading. Oh, less than 10% of those people are nearsighted. Huh, function affects structure. If you carried 50 pounds of rice on your back, then you'd be tilted over because your body would have to adapt to that. If you're going to use your eyes at a near distance in a focused ways for long periods of time, What's going to happen? You're due to the neuroplasticity of the vision eye brain connection. Your eyes are going to adapt for that distance, therefore becoming near sighted. Near sighted myopia means you can see near. Far sighted uh, is that you can see far, and far sighted people, as we get older, have a harder time seeing close. And nearsighted people can see near fine, but far away is the difficulty. I improved my eyes through exercises, lifestyle, diet, and attitude. But now I don't need glasses to read at all still. Without glasses, 90% of my waking life, I use glasses occasionally for driving at night. I'm in, I'm be 64 this year, and I'm using glasses hardly at all. I've worked with thousands of people to help improve their eyesight. Now, we can't improve everybody because we don't treat the eye. We treat the person behind the eyes. That's how when we start talking about eye disease, 
glaucoma, macular degeneration, etc. We will use those terms, but we'll, we'll talk about the differences of how to treat it based on the underlying reason of why it occurs. This reminds me of maybe more people can relate to skin issues. So for example, when my youngest daughter was 18 months old, she developed really severe eczema and I took her to the best physicians. Ultimately, I worked with a woman trained in traditional Chinese medicine who is also on staff at Mount Sinai Hospital, a top hospital in the city. And she said to me, if you just look at the inflammation on her skin, imagine the inflammation inside. And so as I listen to you, it sounds like it's, it's a similar idea with the eyes, that whatever is going on inside, it eventually manifests in different ways. It can be the skin, but it can also be our eye health. I would love to hear more about Dr. Grossman, how you improved your vision. You said you were legally blind in from third grade, I believe, and, mm-hmm. and you improved your vision. How long did it take and what changes did you make? I think your story could create some aha moments for listeners. Okay, so first, just to comment on what you said, your inner vision affects your outer vision, Okay. So let's talk about my nearsightedness for a second. May I pause and ask you, what do you mean by your inner vision? Well, let's say you don't, you're in a very traumatic, um, stressful time in your life. Uh, and this was, it'll, it'll talk about like how my nearsightedness developed. Like there's a big correlation to when people move, like children move when they're younger. And all of a sudden they're living in a new place. And it's overwhelming to them because it is greater than them. So the, what do they do? They sort of blur it out. So when I see somebody who's, who's developing nearsightedness, glaucoma, cataracts, etc., I want to see what was happening six months to a year to a year and a half before it started to manifest in the eye tissue. So it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with what's going on out there. So I'm going to become more shy. I'm not going to reach out to the world as much. Um, So your inner vision, I mean, it's like your attitude and your belief systems of what you can see, what you want to see, and what you choose to see. And and everybody has different uh, energy that comes out of their eyes. I mean, as you know from my book, I'm trained as a traditional optometrist, but I've also been a a practitioner of acupuncture and Chinese medicine for 26 years. So I totally integrate the traditional Chinese medicine approach with the Western approach. I believe in integrative medicine. I don't believe in, I mean, I don't want to say this in a wrong way. I don't like the term alternative medicine. I like the word integrative medicine. When you talk about your daughter's eczema, that's a perfect example. It's like, oh my God, it's showing up on the skin. Why is it showing up on the skin? Is there inflammation in the gut? Is there something in her diet? Is there something she's allergic to that's causing this kind of response? So my nearsightedness occurred when I was in third grade. And I'll tell, you know, I'll tell the truth. I'll tell the story. So in third grade, what happened in my life? My parents moved. They moved to a new area. And I was a very happy, outgoing kid. 
And then I became very shy. And in third grade, my mom had a nervous breakdown. And so I was a firstborn. So she was there for me physically and emotionally. Then all of a sudden she wasn't there emotionally. She was like distance. So what did I do? I tried to study a lot, did well in school, did a lot of close work. And all of a sudden I couldn't see far away. So they gave me glasses. And here's the real key. What happens when people, and you're, you're nearsighted, right? I am. Okay, so when you first got your first pair of glasses, or when I first pair of glasses, all of a sudden you put these things on and you can see far away. Fantastic. Then what happens a year or two later? And I'll tell the story because my dad, the accountant, who was nearsighted, he said, well, tell me what optometrists do. I said, well, we examine people's <laughs> eyes, you know, um, and we give them glasses or contact lenses, check for eye disease, and then they usually uh, thank us and pay us, and we give them glasses of contact. He said, that's very good. And then he said, well, well, tell me more. I said, then they come back a year or two later, and most of the time after the first prescription we give them, it's gotten a little worse, and they need stronger glasses or contact lenses. And we figure it out. We're very good. We're very trained well to measure things. And we give them stronger ones. And you know what? They thank us and pay us again. And he goes, let me get this straight. You give them something and they thank you and pay you. I go, yes. And they come back and it's gotten worse. And you give them something stronger and they thank you and pay you again. I go, yes. He goes, this is a very good profession. So. So even if it gets worse, we're doing the right things. If you went to a chiropractor, a massage therapist, and every time your back hurt more, you might not go back. But we give you something, and most of the time it gets worse. And what happens when you put on these new glasses and it feels a little weird? What does the doctor say to you? You'll get used to it. Yes. Yeah. And you'll get used to 50 pounds of rice on your back, and then you'll be tilted over. But that's your nervous system saying, maybe I don't want to get used to it, you know? So again, we have to treat the symptom. We don't treat the symptom, we treat the underlying cause. So the underlying cause for most nearsightedness, besides possibly the emotional component, is the use of close devices, is a lots of reading. Having your world be 16 to 18 inches and closer for an extended period of time, not spending time outside, not being under natural light, not doing enough uh, exercises, eating a, you know, the sad diet, the simple American diet, eating fast foods, processed foods, sugars, you know, not eating natural foods, but mostly not being outside and spending too much time on sustained near tasks. Now, are we going to stop this technology epidemic? No, they serve us in a way. Look at this. We're seeing each other. We're talking. I have an internet uh, business. Uh, you know, it's fantastic. I love the closeness that it's occurred. But everything in moderation. We need to take breaks at least every 20 minutes. Look at 20 feet. For at least 20 seconds. That's my 20-20-20 rule. My feeling is you should go outside, do a little yoga, stretch, breathe. You know, we need to take breaks. We need to not be addicted. 
our culture is getting addicted to our cell phones, to our uh, computers, to our everything. And it, it, it is, I think, I think there's even a, a diagnosis code for addiction to video games now. And there's actually places that kids can go to to like go through a 12 step program. Yeah, they're, they're digital detox retreats around oh my God, yes. the world. And I know in South Korea, it's popular because the addiction is so pervasive because video games is even more popular there among children. Yes. I mean, I'm trying to design a video game that improves your eyes. That's my, oh, that would you know, be great. Maybe with artificial intelligence and things like that. It's like, you know, if we're going to I, you know, I don't want to feed into the addiction, but I'd rather people go outside, take breaks, breathe, do yoga, meditate. Um, but really, we have to we have to get off those near devices. Even if you're setting it up, the farther away you are, the better it is. You know, the closer. I had one patient come in. I gave them glasses, and she came back. She goes, "I can't see through these." I said, "Why?" She said, um, I can't see my iPhone with it. And she held her hand up at about eight inches away. And I gave her reading glasses for 16 inches away. I said, do you want iPhone glasses or reading glasses? Yeah. So the world's getting constricted. And when we constrict our eyes, we constrict our body. We constrict our breathing. So how I improved my eyes is they kept getting worse and worse and worse through elementary school through high school i went to a special math and science high school where 90 percent of us were nearsighted then i went to college and studied science and then optometry school worse and worse and worse when i got out of school i went through vision therapy to to do exercises to improve my eyes i got back into dance and movement i cleaned up my diet i've always been into nutrition and um I improved my eyes from 2,400 without glasses to now it's about 2,030. So how long did it take for you to to notice an improvement? Uh, Most improvements will happen initially within the first month. The the end result improvement took about a year. It's like peeling an apple. We have to peel it off a layer at a time. So... So the first improvement, usually giving somebody a week of prescription that, uh, let's say, by a half a unit, they usually can work into that, get that half a unit off within probably the first four to six weeks. But it depends on what they're doing with their eyes. If they're doing these exercises 20 minutes a day, but they're still in front of a computer eight, 10 hours a day and not taking breaks, this is not a good prognosis. I have to know how they're using, and in my words, abusing their eye. I think dentists have it down. You go to the dentist, and they talk about dental hygiene. What about visual hygiene? What about our precious gift of sight that we want to use? And I have a, a whole thing on my website and in my books on visual hygiene. I love that. I've never heard that term before or come across that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so some things in the book that make sense is the idea of 
nearsightedness actually comes from, or farsightedness, it comes from certain muscles being overdeveloped. And because you don't give your eyes a break, and so for example, I'm nearsighted, I do work, I, I, use, um, I use nearsightedness often, but therefore I don't take enough break, look up, look far, look all around, and so those muscles are weakened. And I think we all kind of feel it when in our bodies, like spending long hours in front of a computer or on our devices. I have days where my arms are so used to being like 90 degrees or, <laughs> or less than 90 degrees from my shoulders. And it, it feels like to just let them hang straight on my body is almost like a counterbalance. <laughs> so just, I think it's important that as we integrate and embrace technology more in our lives, the idea of counterbalancing muscles, and that includes our eye muscles as well. Yeah, the, I always say it's not that they're getting weaker or stronger. We have to build the flexibility and the adaptability of our eye muscle. And like Thoreau said, the flexibility and adaptability is a measure of intelligence. The more right. flexible and adaptable we can deal with this technological world, uh, the healthier we will be uh, inside and out. So certain exercises like the magic eye books that I help do, you know those 3D books? No. Uh, it, it sold about 30 million of those. Actually, it was very, very popular in Korea and Japan. But if you look up the magic eye, the book that I helped write I have to write two of them was, was Beyond 3D, Improve Your Vision. These are books that help relax the eye muscles and get them, them and the brain together and make them more flexible and adaptable. So my book is called Beyond 3D, Improve Your Vision, and it's in seven or eight different languages. Uh, the other book I wrote is How to See 3D, that's out of print. But Magic Eye Pictures, just focusing your finger, like looking from your finger at six inches to 20 feet, and two breaths near, two breaths far, two breaths near, two breaths far. You know, changing your focus, doing a figure eight with your eyes. And I have all these um, exercises on video for free on my website, uh, which is naturaleyecare.com, and, uh, and plenty of YouTube videos. You know, one of the things I love about doing this podcast and what you're doing is knowledge is power and education is how we can help the world and be in service. So it's the flexibility and the adaptability of the eye muscles that are the key. Uh, looking out the window, um, you know, if you're working on it for a computer all day. Um, if you go to my website, it's hard to... to, to um, demonstrate i have a one called the, the hot dog exercise where you hold your two fingers at eye level look across the room and then if you're relaxing your eyes and your eyes are working you'll see a little extra finger floating between your two fingers that means your eyes and your brain are in a relaxed state and then you get that and then you focus back on your fingers so uh, i have a whole list of different eye exercises that we can send you a PDF for, uh, how to keep your eyes healthy, different acupressure points. 
around the eyes to um, which are good acupressure uh, points in Chinese medicine to build the circulation. Just warm compresses on your eyes, you know, just like on your whole body is fantastic. So, you know, it's the flexibility and the adaptability. You know, it's just like you hear about workaholics. We need to take breaks and we have to have a balanced life. And that is the goal of every Chinese medicine acupuncture treatment, balance and harmony. Right. So back to your term visual hygiene, what would that entail? Like how, for how long would you do some or all of these exercises? Is it a little um, mini rituals throughout the day or is 20 minutes in one sitting enough? I'm sure it includes nutrition um, and the acupressure points you talked about. Right. So, you know, another one is like the palming exercise, you know, just to put your palms of your hands around the uh, orbital rim here, which also hits a lot of the acupressure points. So I would say, you know, it depends on what you're doing. If you're in front of a computer all day, then you need to do a little bit throughout the day. But usually 10 minutes a day uh, in different times would be fine. Nutritionally. The most important food for the eyes is carrot. No, <laughs> kale. Kale. Yeah, yes. Kale has the highest amount of a carotenoid called a, a lutein. So you want lutein and zeaxanthin, orange peppers, blueberries for the uh, astrocyanin side, the dark grapes. As you know from my book, I'm big on nutrition. Whether you do it through supplements. We've put together a whole food organic supplement that has these foods in there, but getting it from your good foods, organic foods, juicing recipes, kale, collard greens, spinach, the green leafies, exercise, aerobic exercise, at least 20 minutes a day, yoga, and the eye exercises, because you can't separate the eyes from the body. So... You know, if you're doing all those other things through nutrition and physical exercise, if you can add a little bit of these eye exercises into your daily practice, it would be really helpful to maintain good eyesight. And depending if you already have a specific eye condition uh, or have a family history of it, such as glaucoma, cataracts, macular degeneration, then there's more specific protocols nutritionally, herbally, essential oil-wise uh, for those conditions. But all these other things will be helpful also to help, um, help those conditions too. How can essential oils help? Well, essential oils, I mean, if you think about it, let's say frankincense. Frankincense is otherwise called boswella. Frankincense is an anti-inflammatory. So when I have an eye disease that has inflammation on it, I have them put essential oils, let's say about an inch away from the eye. I have a whole chapter on the essential oils in the book that was written by a colleague of mine, Dr. Sam Byrne out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. So uh, I had like 10 other doctors who had a different expertises in different ways of healing help me with the book also. And what's so the name of that book? 
My book, Natural Eye Care. Oh, it's a natural eye care. Okay. Yeah, natural eye care has a whole chapter on essential oils, and we incorporate the essential oils into the protocols for each eye disease. Okay. Along with nutrition, herbal remedies, and Chinese medicine. Okay. So if you had to estimate, and I know this is just a generalization, it's not going to it's just a generalization, but what percentage of eye issues is from genetics and what percent is from diet and other lifestyle factors like exercise and stress and emotions? But I guess, like, I'm wondering, I think a popular question will be how responsible is genetics for the outcomes of our eye health? And then second, how important is diet? I think it's less than 20% genetic. You might have a genetic tendency for having things happen, but your lifestyle, your nutrition, uh, your way of being in the world and how you use your eyes um, is a major factor. They did a study in Alaska on an Eskimo tribe, and there was hardly any incidence of nearsightedness. And then they introduced schools. And then over the next 40 years, they show that the incidence of nearsightedness went up to 40%. So there's studies after studies after studies showing the effect of how we use our eyes and how it gets affected. So genetic, those people, when they went up to 40% of nearsightedness, none of those people had a genetic tendency for it. Now, is there genetic components to the possibility of glaucoma? Yes. Is macular degeneration? Yes. But by doing certain nutritional protocols, such as you know, supplementing or eating certain foods that have lutein, zeaxanthin, you can lower the risk of it. So yes, genetics does have a place, uh, but we can definitely try to help it with lifestyle changes and nutrition and uh, exercise. So I would say Less, I would say just blaming genetics totally, less than 20%, especially after the age of 14 with nearsightedness. Think about this. The eye has pretty much stopped growing by 14 years old. Let's say your eyes were good, and all of a sudden you develop nearsightedness at 20 years old. Now, did lightning strike you and say, your genetics is now going to occur right now at 20 years old, and now you're going to become nearsighted. Or the fact that you're in front of a computer all day or in grad school all day and studying six, eight hours a day, you think that had more of a factor at 20 years old. So again, it's the age of onset of when the condition occurs. You know, it's a different kind of cataract usually if somebody develops it in their 50s as opposed to somebody develops it in their 80s. And when we look at Chinese medicine, I used to always ask the question, well, why did the person get it in their right eye and not their left eye? Huh. Why, you know, well, we, we don't really care about why. We have to treat the condition is what I was told. But when you start looking at Chinese medicine, you look at the yin, you look at the yang, you look at the mother eye, you look at the father eye. You look at the energetic, and then you say, oh, interesting. That's why macular degeneration started in the left eye as opposed to the right eye. Oh, you start to look at underlying patterns of why this might occur. So, and I've got cases after cases after cases 
of where we work with this and we're able to stabilize it or even possibly reverse many eye uh, diseases and conditions. Even in adults? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I would love to talk more, hear more of your thoughts on resiliency, the ability of eye health to be resilient, like after the age of 14 or even later on in life. Okay, so we're going back to neuroplasticity, Norman Dodd, the brain that heals itself. Remember again, embryologically, physiologically, neurologically, the eye is brain tissue. It's an outgrowth of the brain. So let's think about that for a second. Oh, look at that study in multiple personality disorders. All the different personalities had different prescriptions. Oh, and they've been showing that they had different blood chemistries. Oh, okay. So if we go on a neuroplasticity model, I didn't start working on my eyes till I was in my late 20s, 30s. So there's flexibility and adaptability. I, you know, some people can be doing yoga and touch their toes and put their, you know, when they're 90. So I totally believe in the resiliency and the flexibility and the adaptability of the body and the mind. I think you can improve it at any age. My oldest patient, she finally passed last year. She was 106. <gasps> wow. Yeah. And my youngest patients are when they're born. So, you know, she didn't, she didn't develop her. She didn't need cataract surgery until 96. Wow. Some people need it at 80. Was she very healthy? Yeah, yeah, she was pretty healthy. But you know what was the key to her as far as I'm concerned? What? Her attitude and her belief system of life. And what was her attitude and belief system? She just loved life, and she was just just very vibrant and very energetic, and she never held things in. Did she do yoga and meditation? Yep, yep, because she was just... She did all the right things. But, But you know what? When I started to look at my patients who are over 90 who had the best visual system or health system, what was the only thing that I found that they had in common? What do you think? A good attitude? Nope. Friends? That's important. Friends? Good, but not, nope. They were active? Yes, but nope. <laughs> what? <laughs> the most important thing wasn't nutrition wasn't this it was that they took the least amount of medications of drugs in their life and that's not saying look we prescribe medications all the time in the office i work in but when they had something that was thing they first tried to treat it more naturally and if they did have to take medication they took it as little as possible and they try to get off of it as soon as possible Mm -hmm. so i am not saying i'm against medications i have to use them a lot for different eye conditions mm-hmm. but if you can use chinese medicine homeopathic medications diet nutrition that was the only thing that i saw in common in all of them and um and again you might say that if you live a healthy lifestyle you reduce your exposure to toxicities etc cetera, etc cetera, that is a way of not needing as many medications in your life. But remember, every medication has to be detoxified through your liver and your kidneys. So we need to keep those parts of our body healthy. So I'm sure parts of parts of the benefit of 
taking less medication is that it's less of a burden on your your biology. But second, it's a little bit self-selecting. The people who would have the mindset of what else can I do to have minimal exposures to the medications, maybe they just tend to be more balanced and just more integrated in general. 150%. Thank you for saying that. When patients come to see me, they say, well, what, you know, what's your success rate? And it's, well, it's about this, or you know, 50%, 80% in this. And that's because, again, patients who get referred to me or come to me looking for an integrative medical approach are basically self-selected. Yeah. You know, they, they're already done 90% of the work. They showed up and found me to do this work then, as opposed if I was working in an optical store in a mall, I might say these things to the people and they're not going to listen, possibly, you know, because it's not their mindset. So, yes, the, that's where the attitude and the belief system and how they live their life take the place. We all know that smoking cigarettes is bad for you, right? I mean, even though when I grew up, they didn't tell you that, you know, they had doctors smoking camel cigarettes. They said, there's actually a commercial. More doctors smoke camel than any other thing. My, I know. My, colleague, my colleague showed this the other day. So we all know that cigarette is bad for you. We all know processed sugar is bad for you. We all know that fast food is bad for you. It's irreputable. But we all know that there's a lot of people still doing it. Right. Well, behavior, behavioral change is the whole science. Right. That's their choice. And yeah. Right. So when you say self-selective, that's true. But what you're doing and what I'm trying to do is educate. Because like you said, you didn't know all these things about your eyes and, and you're open to all this. So if I can edu- at least put the information out there so that people who might be open to it can have the choice now, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, I try and get people curious. Like I try and have the conversations that might turn on a switch of curiosity because that will just organically lead someone down the right path. Um, What are your comments on the toxic chemicals and heavy metals that are higher than ever in our environment and, and how that may affect our eye health? Yeah, boy. Yeah, okay. Well, first of all, as we know, all those things also affect our heart. In Chinese medicine... And our brain. And our brain, right. Now, we already made the connection between the eye and the brain. In Chinese medicine, the liver is the organ system that relates to the eye. All those things are putting an extra, super extra burden on our liver, therefore affecting our eyes. All the meridians in the body, in Chinese medicine, go to the eye. All the meridians go through the heart. So, so when you have all that chemicals exposure, uh, and I'm sort of like the bubble boy. I am like super sensitive to EMFs, chemicals. I can't even, I'm like so sensitive to all these different things. So I get it. And uh, you're putting an extra burden on your liver and your kidneys and your detoxing so therefore it affects your eyes uh it, it's causing or to me it's causing earlier cataracts 
macular degeneration. Um, you know, that's why sometimes chelation therapy can help uh, getting rid of the, um, the amalgams in your mouth. All there's meridians that go from the eyes, the teeth to the eyes. So when somebody has a dental problem, it can affect your eyes. So there's, in fact, I think I even put a little chapter on teeth and eyes in the in the book. But yeah, it's mostly the how the heavy metals and everything uh, affect the liver and therefore affect the eyes. What are your comments on how electromagnetic fields may affect? Yeah, well, I myself am EMF sensitive. I don't really use a cell phone. And the EMF there could possibly causing a breakdown and causing cataract and the circulation in the brain. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer that the EMFs are really that it's, it's this invisible toxicity that we're exposed to. So I'm a big believer in grounding. There's a grounding mat and tell people to stand in dirt, go barefoot, you know, that we're, you know, losing our resonance uh, with all those EMFs that are out there, especially with 5G coming. Uh, but, you know, again, it's out there. It's going to happen. And the more we can take care of our, again, our inner body, we can be more, as you said before, the perfect world, resilient. So that we can handle these possible toxicities, whether they're chemical toxicities, uh, electromagnetic frequency toxicities that come our way. You know, flexibility, adaptability, resilience. I view it as our bodies, even our, our energetic body, have limited resources. And so the more they have to deal with toxic chemicals and heavy metals and EMFs, just the less resources they have to repair and heal and develop as they should. So as much as you can unburden your body from that work, the better off you are. I'm also, I was very sensitive to EMFs for a few years and I've been consciously trying to reduce my exposures. And I've, I've been thinking lately, I think I'm more resilient. I have recovered a bit, um, which some people can become more resilient with that. And everyone has unique sensitivity. I want to ask you one more time earlier when I asked about visual hygiene, you recommended about 10 minutes a day. Is that all in like just 10 minutes per day or 10 minutes here and there throughout the day? Well, in a perfect world, 10 minutes twice a day. Okay. But that's, but you know, people, they get busy. Okay. Give give me two minutes, you know, give me five minutes. The way to make change is you have to do the same thing for 40 straight days. You know, that's what they say in yoga and meditation to bring it into your lifestyle. So if you can start with five minutes of doing palming exercises, doing warm compresses, doing um, uh, focusing your eyes and your eye muscles, getting them more flexible and adaptable, bring it into your consciousness and say, okay, before I sit down the computer i'm going to do this for two minutes and then after i'm done with it after i take my break after 20 minutes i'm going to do it for another two minutes just bring it into your consciousness and then it'll become a habit and therefore if we can get those 20 minutes a day then that's the way to get it in but don't set up uh something that's going to overwhelm you that you're not going to be able to succeed 
Do you have thoughts on infrared saunas and whether they can help too? Because I thought of it when you talked about heat. Uh, I actually personally have an infrared sauna. And yes, I feel that it's a great detoxifier, really good for people with Lyme disease. Again, we detoxify through our liver, kidneys, and our skin. So sweating every day, love it. I just came from the gym, I took a sauna. Now, again, being looking at EMF, so you need to check, not all infrared saunas are the same. Some produce uh, more EMFs than others. So you can, uh, again, I, I, I like, I like the infrared sauna. Yeah, me <laughs> yeah. too. I've had one for about eight years now, and I had one. I think it's a great way to detoxify. How often do you use it? How many times a week? Good question. I probably sauna five times a week. Mm-hmm. For how many minutes each time? In a perfect world, I would do 20. I do about 10. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's good yeah. to know even 10 is better than, I mean, it's better than I know, than I'm just so busy, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, I know. To me, it's time. I've got two kids, you know, kids, you know. I know. And, you know, but in a perfect world, it, I would love 20 minutes. And then the other thing that I do, and I need to do more of, is I do Epsom salt bath to detoxify. So an Epsom salt bath with some charcoal in there. Again, a real good detoxifier for the system. You know, one more thing I meant to ask, I forgot to ask about, is light. So you mentioned earlier that getting exposure to natural sunlight is healthy. I wanted to just have you clarify when it's healthy to wear sunglasses to protect against the sun's damaging rays, and when and how much unprotected sun exposure your eyes should have. And then second, if you could touch upon the fact that our eyes are exposed to more artificial light than ever before. And I know blue light is a big disruptor of sleep, but we don't really understand all the artificial light. And I don't know how LED lights are now different than the conventional light. But if you could comment on that, I think that would help get the the intention is to get more people curious about their light exposures. Okay. So as you can probably gather, I could talk about each of that subject <laughs> for about an hour. Uh, I do have a thing about about sunglasses. I do have my 10 best tips about when to wear sunglasses. Is that on your website? Whole, yeah, I think it is. Okay. And then I'm also doing these online courses on computer, holistic computer eye strain. It's only like $10 and it tells you uh, setting up the ergonomics of the things, what to do for blue light, what free... Uh, Apps there are to reduce the blue light. Um, and then I have articles on blue light too. But just to tell you quickly about all those things, it also depends on how dark your eyes are. The more melanin pigment in your eyes, you have dark colored eyes, you can handle the sun better without sunglasses. The lighter the eyes, the harder it is. So I do believe in recommending sunglasses for people that have 100% UVA and UVB protection. And the best kinds are wraparounds because they protect the light from the here and from the sides because 20% of the light can still come in from the sides. If you expose yourself to too much ultraviolet light, especially if you've got cataract or macular degeneration, it can cause photooxidation on your retina and your lens. 
So nutritional-wise, taking lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin and vitamin C can actually operate as nature's sunglasses. So you can actually absorb the UV light better and have protection against them. Fluorescent lights are bad because they have a flicker to them and they're a little too high in the blue, which is the shortest wavelength. Uh, that also has been shown to cause uh, uh, issues with computer eye strain and uh, eye problems. So, you know, like you said, uh, curiosity, I usually work inquiry, using an inquiry into like lighting. Uh, the more natural light we can have come in, the better. But staying under artificial light is not good. We need the vitamin D. A lot of us are vitamin D deficient because we're not getting the vitamin D from the, uh, from the sun. The sun is healing. If you do have light sensitivity and, to, and you uh, still need to go out, at least go out in the beginning of the morning for at least 45 minutes between the morning and the dusk to get at least you know, some natural light into your life. But yeah, lighting is a, is a whole big deal. The glasses that filter out blue light, are they helpful? Yes, they're very helpful. Okay. They're very helpful. And then, then there's things you can, apps you can put on your computer to cut the blue Glare, light down. Yeah. And there are screens you can put down. Does you your website that? list products that you, rec- that you like? No, but uh, not, I, you know, I don't know. I just know I just did a story for, I think, some magazine on that. I'm actually be putting together uh, a webinar just on blue light and lighting. Great. That will, that will be a free webinar. I have one, like I said, I already have an online course on um, holistic computer eye strain. Uh, there's one on glaucoma, myopia. So I'm going to try to hit all the subjects that educate people. Wonderful, wonderful. I will try and... and uh, <laughs> well, we'll send it to you. If watch. you remind me, yeah. we'll send you a, a copy of, of every webinar and course we do so that you can share it with your... Great, I will share it. This is fascinating. I really thank you for your time and your work. Thanks for listening. Podcast show notes can be found at my website at nontoxicliving.tips. To more easily listen to other episodes, please subscribe to the Practical Non-Toxic Living podcast. And if you'd like to support it, then please like it and share it. Until next time.